This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Laravel News Podcast. Thanks for joining us. This is episode 121 and uh, I am recording in my room and my poor wife is sleeping right over there. So I'm going to try and be a little bit quiet. <laughs> I'm surprised that you get away with that because Ray oh, would not, like we'd be having none of that over here. <laughs> she she puts up with quite a bit from me. So. <laughs> so yeah no i feel bad but hey the show must go on that's right so hey we've got um got a couple releases we got some news we got some packages we got some tutorials we got some good stuff to share with you guys today so we are going to jump right in 715 was released on june 11th let me see i'm gonna look at the actual date it was june 9th june 9th release day on tuesdays thank you Dries, Dries vince for always putting out those release day uh, mm-hmm. tweets it's helpful so Laravel team released 7.15 uh, with a with token test helper, a new model method to define relationships between models outside of a class definition, along with the latest new features, fixes, and changes in the 7.x branch. Okay, so starting with extendable relations for models. So this is interesting. Gergo Dinagi contributed a resolve relation using method to models. Uh, what this does is it allows you to, typically what you'd have to do is you'd have to, in your, let's say it's an order model, Inside of that model, you would have to define your customer relation, right? So you'd have a public method called customer, and then you would have it returning um, this belongs to, and then et cetera, right? Well, now the order or any model has a new method called resolve relations using. You can pass the name of the relationship that you want and then a closure, which defines the relationship. And the reason why this is helpful is because you can now define these relationships inside of packages, right? So you don't have to get, you don't have to hook in directly to the class. You can actually create a relationship from outside of the model itself. So I think this is pretty interesting. I think this is actually not the first time it's been suggested, but the first time it's been accepted. So that looks, uh, that looks interesting. So package authors take note. Uh, We also have a new with token test helper. And so sometimes what we'll want to do is in our tests, we'll say this and then we'll say post. Uh, other times we'll say post JSON. But if you're trying to get to an endpoint that requires you to have a bearer token, like, for example, a uh, like a token guard, right, like mm-hmm. you have in the API token guard, right, you'd want to uh, set a authorization header with the word bearer and then your test token. Well, no longer do you have to do that. You can just say with token and pass in the token and it will nice. automatically yeah. handle setting the header for you. Yeah, so it's pretty convenient. Also, Ahmed Saeed and the other one was uh, Ayer Robber was the with token helper. And then the uh, make many models uh, by Ahmed Saeed. So what this does is allows you to create many related models without saving. So um, you can create a bunch of new models and just have them as new objects but not saved yet Mm -hmm. so it'd be similar to what you do when you say like new order instead of order create right the new order would just go ahead and um kind of put it in memory for you and then in order to persist it you'd call save on that right what this does is it allows you to say uh for example let's say you have a model order and then you have a relation tickets and then make many and then you can pass in a collection to that and it's kind of like insert, right? It's kind of like insert, but it doesn't actually persist them. It just makes a collection of a bunch of related models. So that's pretty cool. 
Uh, we also have Paul Adams, who contributed a foreign UUID column definition for UUID foreign keys. It's exactly what it sounds like. So uh, instead of foreign ID, foreign UUID. That's it. Pretty simple there. Uh, this one is interesting too. So Lupinity Labs contributed the ability to define a via queue method to define which queue to use uh, for an event. Uh, so I'll just read it out here. It says the pull request proposes a non-breaking change to the dispatcher class that allows a user to set the queue name by defining a via queue method within the lesson. The listener actually sounds like something different than what I thought it was originally, as it is already done with retry after and retry until methods. Uh, if no get queue method is defined, the code falls back to use the queue attribute or null as it was before. So it seems like previously what you would have done is you would have set a queue attribute on the job that you were defining. Uh, but now you can have a via queue method. I suppose that might be helpful if you wanted to do something other than just like a static value, right? If you wanted to swap it out for something based on maybe some logic, right? So if it's this type of you know, maybe if you're passing different types of models and if it's this type of model, queue it over here. If it's this type of model, it's a little more important, queue it on a, a higher priority queue or something like that, right? I don't know exactly the use case, but the benefit is to provide developers with a flexible way to influence the target queue instead of having to hard code it, right? So that's it for 7.15. There's some other fixes and stuff. You can find those in the change log, uh, which by the way, I learned the other day is not in the change log anymore. So you can't go to like Laravel slash Laravel and look at the change log. They don't do it there. Mm-hmm. They do it at blog.laravel.com now. Right. Fair enough. Yeah. Yep. So the, the it's like I went there. I was like, what's the most recent change log? Because I was trying to find out what the most recent version was. And they stopped doing it a while ago. So mm-hmm. anyway, word to the wise. 7.16. Got my friend. Nice. So 7.16 was released on the 16th of June with a few new handy helpers as always. First up, we've got the model make visible if and make hidden if methods contributed by at Renoki. Uh, this will allow you to hide and show fields from your relationship based on some truth tests. So, um, for example, you have a home lineups and away lineups in your model. You can essentially make them hidden if there is a record in there. So definitely check that one out. Um, you can pass it an array of values in there. Next up was a contribution by Alex Miles, which is the ability to pass a custom guard via the dash dash guard flag when you are running the make policy artisan command. So thanks to Alex for that. We also got the add theme property to the Malble class, which was contributed by Basel Hossman. Uh, this allows you uh, this allows the user to change the theme at runtime and enable reflection in queue jobs correctly. So if that's something you've needed to do. You can do that now as of Laravel 7.16, thanks to Basil Hosman. Uh, that was it for this release. So thanks to the contributors. There's also a few changes and a revert to handle array callbacks in the event dispatcher. So there was probably some small issue in that and it has been reverted. Yeah. Do you mind if I jump back just to quickly, I, I want to make sure I understand this. So the make visible if and make hidden if methods are sort of like where you have um um, so like you have that hidden property on a model, right? So mm-hmm. you can say like always hide this particular property, right? And so what this is saying is essentially it almost sounds like what we were talking about with like the queue. It kind of gives you instead of having like a hard coded array of like always hide this, right? It basically gives you a a you can say make hidden if and then you can pass it a closure. And then you once the closure, the closure evaluates to a truthy or falsy, and then you can pass it an array of attributes to hide, right? So make hidden if this thing is true and then say here are the things to hide or make visible if and then here's the thing to check if it's true and then here are the values to show yeah 
Interesting. Yeah. I guess it does just, again, kind of just gives you a little bit more flexibility. And it's interesting because like as the, as the community grows and use cases grow, it's just like people need more and more stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like these, this ability to add these methods to do these truth checks rather than just having a hard coded value, um, seem to be becoming more popular. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. That's all I needed. Very nice. Guard one is interesting too. Yeah. So yeah, that is all for the releases. Uh, next up, we have from our buddy Caleb Porzio a post from him on how he's added file upload support to Livewire, and he suggests, and I tend to agree with him, that this is a game changer. Tell us about it, Jake. Yeah, he was super excited about this. If you saw his post on Twitter, he he did the whole like looking out the window, the snap, you know, mm-hmm. his two finger snap, and yeah. like pointing at the screen, like all hyped <laughs> up. So um, Caleb, he's. So I think that's part of the reason why people love Caleb so much is he's so excitable. Like he's just so yeah. passionate about the stuff that he builds and it gets really, really into it. So everybody can kind of enjoy, you know, his excitement with him. It's it's contagious. So file uploads, I don't I mean, I know you've had to do them before. I've had to do them before as well. And it feels like one of those things that I always kind of have to relearn. You know what I mean? FilePond has made it a lot easier for sure. Like if you've not used FilePond before, you should check that out. Uh, but Caleb, you know, feels this pain and his tolerance for pain in the developer experience is super low. His pain tolerance is like there, yeah. you know, anytime he feels something that's just like, I don't like that. He is bound and determined to make a better way to do it. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what he's done. So he's, it, it's basically, this is less of like a package, which is what we have it listed under. Actually, I guess we have it listed under news. It's more of a tutorial, uh, really. It's kind of he. This this really goes through and says here is sort of some of the context of the ways that you've been able to do it in the past, which is you can submit it with a form, but the problems that you have with that are that files have to be submitted along with the form on submit, and if you get a validation error, you have to reselect those files again. Like mm-hmm. it's a, it's a pain. You can't show previews of those files as they're being uploaded. They have files have to pass through your server before they can hit S3 or something like that. Yeah. So right, it's it, there's some problems with it. There's also the Ajaxy way, but the way to do it, it takes a lot more JavaScript knowledge to kind of get that working. Yeah. Um, so you could do it a hundred different ways, but he kind of gives away for how he might have done it. Right. But with LiveWire, he basically says you apply uh wire model. Uh, and then you handle the form submission using LiveWire Validate and store the file like you normally would uh, in a controller. And it's really simple. Like he has to go like, it's like probably three or four code blocks for each of the other ones. And then this one, it's like two tiny little code blocks. It's gorgeous. Oh yeah. my word. It's so nice. And so it handles multi-file uploads. Uh, it shows loading indicators. It shows progress indicators. It has real-time file validation. You can have a direct upload straight to S3 so it never hits your server. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have temporary preview URLs. Uh, you, it gives you a great testing story for how you test your file uploads. It also integrates with FilePond. Uh, I mean, literally, like right down the list. And here's the deal. This is all free because it's LiveWire, right? It's just yeah. free. So here's my here would be my pitch to you. If you're not supporting Caleb and you're using any of this stuff, you should consider it. Like yeah. I think I'm not sure what his lowest tier is, but even if it's only for a couple months or something or just throw him some money. I mean, if you can afford it at all, like Caleb is doing some really incredible work in our community yeah. and we owe him some appreciation. So I'm really glad he's been able to kind of go full time now with this because of the support he's been getting on GitHub, which is awesome. But these things are just going to improve our lives for sure. So I would love to see as many people as can sponsor Caleb. That'd be that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah, he does some incredible work. And and having been really playing with Livewire in the last few weeks, I'm blown away at how much easier it makes things for you know sure. 
for, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I like Vue and I like being able to build stuff with Vue, but sometimes you just need a form that's got a simple submit and you don't need, like you don't want to trot out a controller that displays a blade component or a blade view that then loads a view component and then you've got to do all of the ajax submission stuff in there and handle errors and handle redirects and all that kind of stuff that the livewire does out of the box and it gives you that snappy user experience in the browser without the overhead of all of that extra you know all the build tooling that you've got to add that's what i love now into, yeah. you know you don't have to set up webpack and you don't need and um, or you right. don't need to use mix and and bring in view and all of that kind of stuff um all of that all of that tooling has its place don't get me wrong but for a lot of the stuff that i'm doing a lot of the the cruddy operations a lot of the simple form submissions even things like periodic polling of of endpoints yeah. to display data as like a real time interface it, it handles all of this kind of stuff and it gives you enough tooling to really quickly and easily not only build it, but also test it and test it in an effective way that, that gives you some confidence in, in what you're building. So, look, I, I know I'm late to the game and like I was, I was, my interest was peaked when he spoke about Livewire at Laracon US last year. But now that I've finally, you know, a year later had a chance to actually play yeah. with it, I am like blown away with with the quality of of what he's put together and, and just how much easier it makes doing a whole swathe of of development work yeah the turning point for me was laricon online this year i i, I was really honestly sort of like i don't know man i don't know last year at laricon i mean it was cool it was really cool at laricon last year but i was just like i'm just not sure if i'm ready to to make that jump and then he showed a demo at laricon online this year and mm-hmm. i was like yep Yep. Also, I talked to Kevin. I can't remember Kevin's last name. I'm going to have to look him up real quick. Uh, Kevin McKee. Uh, Kevin McKee is a huge Livewire fan. And he came to, he comes to our Laravel online, or sorry, Laracon online um, meetup each year. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yes, you should definitely do this. He was like all in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, we can move on. But uh, yeah, thank you, Caleb. Great work, man. Absolutely. Okay. We have got uh, a brand new, uh, what do we want to call this? I suppose it's an application. It's sort of yeah. like a package, but it's, an application. it's not really a package. It's an application. Yeah. It's an application. So uh, tell us about that. Yeah. Yeah. This is Exposed, which is an NGROC alternative that is written in PHP by our friends at Beyond Code. So Exposed is a tunneling application similar to NGROC. If you've, if you've ever used Valet Share, that uses a service called NGROC. And what that does is opens up like a reverse tunnel from your computer to or through the NGROC service to the internet so that you can do things like test out a Stripe integration from your local machine directly to Stripe. Um, if you've ever done anything with Braintree or you've wanted to integrate with the Twitter API, you've probably looked at something like Valet Share or NGROC in order to expose um, your computer to the internet so that you can make posts and, and handle all the OAuth flows and things like that. So Expose is an alternative to that. It is completely open source. It is written in PHP using React PHP. And you can self-host it. You can use custom domains, add basic authentication, and a whole heap of other stuff. And it basically just works by installing the um, Exposed Composer binary using Composer. So you just Composer global require beyond code slash Expose, and then jump into whichever directory you want to expose to the internet and just run Expose dot, and that's it. You can use a shared with Expose.com domain, and you can sign up for a beyond code account for free to do that. And so you can get a a public URL. Otherwise, you'll just get a 
uh, expose URL that is just a random generated string and that you can use that and hit that from uh, the browser anywhere in the world. So if you wanted to share that with your friends, if I wanted to share something that I was working on with Jake on my machine, I could do that without having to go ahead and push that up to the internet or onto a server or whatever. Just like Ngrog, Expose has a command line tool, which is the the client and the server, which works uh, which work hand in hand to tunnel your local websites. And there is also a web-based dashboard, which you can access in the browser to inspect requests that are coming in and responses that are going out, replay requests and copy the equivalent curl commands so you can run them in the browser. As I mentioned, Expose is using the React PHP framework under the hood, which Marcel has pushed a course out for. Uh, which you can check out as well. We'll have links to all of that in the show notes. It is it is a cool alternative. It's something a little bit different. Some might think maybe PHP is not the right tool for the job or that this is something new and, and whatever. Um, React PHP has been around for four, five, six years maybe. Oh man, at least. Um, yeah, I think it, actually longer than that. Yeah, so it's been around for quite a while now and uh, it's it's not an immature library by any stretch of the imagination. So definitely check it out. It is a cool project. Marcel is always pumping out some high quality stuff. It looks good. It works really well. So yeah, definitely check that out. And and any of his stuff really, um, if you need any of that real developer experience, things like Hello, which is a, a local mail trap kind of thing, which looks and works really, really well. And also Tinkerwell, if you've never used that, definitely check that one out. Yeah, that one's a good one. So when I was trying to figure this out, like I've been using Ngrok for forever, right? I mean, like we all have. Ever since Valet came out, Ngrok's been like my tool, my go-to. Uh, but there have been like occasions where I've needed to have a custom domain attached to mm-hmm. Ngrok. And there's, you know, it's it's a paid thing, right? But you can yeah. only have, when you have it, you can only have one tunnel open at a time to that private like URL. Yeah. Uh, and so mm, not great. Yeah. It's kind of annoying. And um and so that that was I remember that being a pain. Uh, so this is really nice because all you have, if you, I mean you can the thing is you could put this on a shared server that you already have. Uh, I mean if you're writing a uh, you know, virtual private or so VPS right, then you can put this on there. Uh, yeah. You you likely already have one for your website or something like that. So you can just chuck this on there and run that mm-hmm. uh, and get your own custom domains. The other thing that I really like about this is that the web page that you get, the localhost forty forty with inspecting requests and re- requests and responses. Um, it's especially when you're doing something like like if you're integrating with GitHub or something and you have these webhooks coming in. Or recently we were integrating with Twilio, mm-hmm. right? And you can open the NGRAC URL, but the the inspection of those requests isn't really great. Maybe I'm just not ex- experienced enough with NGRAC yeah, to know. But it just like flies by, and once it's gone, yeah, it's gone, kind of thing. It, right, exactly. And so with this, you you get not only the ability to see everything that's coming in, both the post parameters as well as all of the headers. You can click to replay the last one mm-hmm. that came in. So like instead of me having to send an outgoing text to Twilio and then get the response that's coming back in from Twilio, I can just like replay right and it'll yeah. replay it against my application again the other thing is like if you're writing tests for this stuff sometimes it can be difficult to figure out the payload that one of these webhook servers is providing you mm-hmm. and so with this you get the initial request and you can just say copy as php array yeah it'll copy all the post params into a php array for you so you can kind of tinker around with it so like in my kind of quest to figure out why would i use this over ngrok there's some really good reasons, and um, I think it's it looks really excellent. Like you said, like Marcel and the the team at Beyond Code Elves does a really good job. So yeah. uh, definitely check it out, and it's free. That's the other yeah. thing; it's free. I think another key one is for things like Twitter that that require you to specify an endpoint, or if you're using, for example, Google, and you want to use their integrations, all of that stuffs with OAuth, you need to specify a URL that that they can post to. 
And if you're using something like Angrok and you're not paying, like you're not one of the paid tiers, it will give you a new URL every time, which, you know, then you've got the hassle of going into the Google and you have to update the the endpoints and things like that. And then you have to wait for them to update before you can use it. And Or you're on a paid tier and you're paying, you know, it's not a huge sum of money. I think it's $60 a year or something like that to be able to get one or two custom subdomains with Expose. You can just do that yourself and you don't have to worry about it. So definitely something worth checking out. And and if you do use it, let us know. And uh, certainly reach out to Marcel and the team at Beyond Code and, and let them know what you think. Yeah. And one way you can support that team too is uh, there's this Learning React PHP video course. And actually, I don't think that's paid either, is it? That's another free thing, I think. I think so. <laughs> he, mentioned, he mentions it here. I'm quite sure that's a free resource as well. Let's see here. Uh, free video course. Yeah. Sign up. Sign up is required. So, man, there's another item that they're giving away for free. So, yeah, Marcel's another one of those guys in that team at Beyond Code who's just pumping out some seriously good content. I mean, we're so lucky, yeah. literally, to have a community that gives us so much free content. We're spoiled a little bit, yeah, I think. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Speaking of free content, we've got this Livewire status board that was cre- created by Andreas Santabanez. So, he just released uh, this new Livewire component to show records according to their current status. So think like a Kanban board, like think like Trello, right? Mm-hmm. And you've got like in here, I think like four columns. And I'm looking at, I'm trying to see if I can look at this GIF. Yeah, it's um, pretty but basically small. what it, yeah, what it gives you the ability to do is kind of like drag items between these columns. And so you can use this component by just extending, creating a new Livewire component that extends Livewire status board. So you just install this. Uh, and then you can make uh, you can use make Livewire to create a new component, and then extend Livewire. Uh, there's Livewire status board, not Livewire calendar. Yeah, well, I don't know why they have that in the cloud. I think they messed up their snippet. Um, in any case, they've got the, this this uh, package kind of has a little tutorial that goes along with it. But basically, it's going to make it really easy for you to take and make your own status board with Livewire. And again, as you know, as we've said a couple of minutes ago, the the API that you get with Livewire out of the box is just really really simple to understand as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I can't even imagine like the status board that I would end up making if it was like out of yeah. view and you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it, an absolute mess. it would be. Yeah. Yeah. And so this looks really clean. So if that's something that you, uh, that you could use, which actually it, I, I'm thinking through different things that we could use this for at work as well. Uh, so definitely check that out if you get a chance. Yep. All right. We've got this uh, send portal, open source email marketing software. Talk to us about that. Yeah. So, I mean, most of it is really in the title. Send portal is a brand new email marketing app by the team at Metal, built on top of Laravel. It includes subscriber analyst management, campaign management, message tracking, and a whole lot more. One of the main highlights of the app is that it is uh, open source, it is self-hosted, and it can hook into some of the popular email services like Mailgun, SES, SendGrid, and Postmark. So all of those will allow you to send email for a fraction of the price of a a traditional email app. Um, If you're just starting out with a mailing list and you want to self-host something, this is a good way of getting integrated, especially if you're budget's tight and you can't can't grab something like a mail coach by our friends at Sparsi or you know you don't want to use MailChimp or you know if you're in that if you're in that sticky gap that's kind of like between the free tier and the first paid tier where you're not quite turning over enough to justify the expense then something like this especially you know built on Laravel and something that is open source that you can tinker with if you wanted to fix something up under the hood uh, it looks really nice it looks like they're using Tailwind for their UI so Definitely check that out if um, email is something that you are interested in. Absolutely. We've also got this Laravel IntelliSense plugin for Visual Studio Code. Uh, have you been using code at all? You don't use code. 
Ben. I don't. Yeah. You're Mr. The good ben. thing, the good thing about a lot of this stuff and the, and the incredible work that Microsoft did with the language server protocol is that a lot of these IntelliSense plugins and Visual Studio Code plugins that are built on top of the LSP can actually be ported to Vim plugins. So whilst all of these things are made for code, there are people out there that are using Vim that are porting these things over. So I might see if there is a, a Vim flavor of this and, and check it out because um, it looks kind of handy when you tell us it, about yeah. it. Yeah, it really does. So this is by Mohammed uh, Benhida. And it provides uh, auto completion for things like eloquent models, factories, config, and API resources. So, Paul Redman wrote this up, everyone's favorite human. Hey, Paul, it's been a long time since we've talked about you, Paul. You're the man. We love you. Uh, so, what he says is the thing he appreciates about this plugin is the support for things like config and view uh, and other areas of Laravel that you typically not have auto completion for in most editors. So, when you think about that, like kind of how they're inspecting that, that, that makes it really nice. I'm not even sure that. I'm pretty sure PHP Storm doesn't have auto completion for config, maybe for view, but not for mm. config, I don't think. But these things save you a lot of time, right? And in, yeah. in context switching, you don't have to go over to your config file and go look at, you know, kind of like, okay, I have a paths config. What's the name of that thing? You just type in paths dot, and then it shows you kind of what the things you are, uh, you're available to, to auto complete there. Okay, so here's the full list of features. We so have resource auto completion, eloquent, factory, view, config, and route auto completion mm-hmm. for all of those items. So yeah, yeah. help you speed up your workflow, kind of work uh, with a little bit more confidence. You know, it's like, I always hate to use magic strings, but you can't make constants for everything, right? Yeah. So yeah, you got to have strings somewhere in there. Let's see, what does he say? If, if Visual Studio Code isn't for you, Blueprint might mitigate some of the need for this auto-completion by generating various files. This is by Jason McCurry. Basically, what he's just saying here is there's there's more than one way to skin the cat here, as it, as as you might say, um, or the Laravel populated factory plugin that helps only with factories. So he Paul, you know, in the way that he does uh, writes these articles very comprehensively, uh, gives us not only one option, but gives some some other things that you might consider using in your project if if you're not a Visual Studio Code user. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely check this post out. Thanks, Paul, for writing that up. Indubitably. Next up, we have... Indubitably. I got to look that up. I've heard it before. I don't know what that means. Next up, we have sub-minute and cronless scheduled tasks in Laravel from the team at Spassi. They brought out two new packages for handling scheduled tasks. One is the Laravel cronless schedule package. The other, the Laravel short schedule. While both of these packages have different use cases, it is worth going through them all together. So the first up is the scheduled tasks without cron. Uh, This uses React PHP to run a scheduler in a loop without relying on cron. So if you're developing something locally, the cronless scheduler might come in handy to run scheduled tasks without setting up a cron. According to the documentation, the command will never end as long as you're running it. And behind the scenes, it will just execute PHP artisan schedule every minute. So if you are wanting to test your scheduled tasks are running, but you don't want to set up cron or you don't want to mess with that kind of stuff on your Mac or, or whatever, then this is something that you can check out. This is something that you would consider more in your development workflow, not not something you would ship into production. So in production, please rely on Cron or Anacron or something like that. And those tools are purpose-built for this. But for development, if you want to run the scheduler every minute in a local environment, using Cron can be cumbersome. Most developers have prob- probably never, ever touched their local Cron tab. I know on my Mac, I don't, I don't, no, I don't do that. Never. I've never I, done that. I, no. I might have a composer self update in there, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, right. I don't know. But if I did, it was a long time ago and I've forgotten about it. So uh, there's also launch <laughs> D, which can work great, but it's just not as easy as running a uh, an artisan command in your terminal and just keeping it spinning there for as long as you need. 
Um, and on Windows, cron doesn't even exist. And the Windows task scheduler is probably not the nicest thing. Um, and then cron doesn't really work necessarily in Docker containers. So the package avoids all of the platform-specific scheduling issues and includes some useful flags. So you can have uh, the, the scheduler to run um, every five seconds. You can run a custom command. You can even have the um, scheduler self-destruct after a number of seconds as well. Um, so definitely check that out if it's something that you're wanting to run in your test environments. I know that through the work that we've been doing with NPing me, I have had to run the scheduler locally and trying to get it to run at the right time and making sure that your tasks are running when they should and all that kind of stuff can just be a little bit annoying. So definitely something worth checking out for a development workflow. The second package that Sparsity released is the Laravel short schedule package, which enables running the Laravel scheduler at a sub-minute frequency. Similar to the cronless schedule package, this is using the React PHP event loop. So cron by default will only run every minute. That is the smallest mm-hmm. resolution of time that it will run. And there are ways around that. You could run a task that does something and then delays 30 seconds and run something else if you want to run it twice per minute and things like that. But the short schedule package is a nice way of executing something um, every second or every 30 seconds or every half second. I, I, I don't know what you would run every half a second every or every second, second yeah. or anything <laughs> like that, but the opportunity is there if you want to do that. So like the Laravel scheduler that comes... So like the native Laravel scheduler, you can schedule commands to run between two times and avoid overlapping and things like that as well. So um, if short scheduling is something that you're after, I know someone reached out to me when, when I said, you know, this was a, a cool idea for a package, but I, I, I struggled for a reason to do it. They said if your their example was that they were processing documents that were uploaded into the app and waiting 60 seconds for that document to then be post-processed by a scheduled task um, was a bit cumbersome. You know, it's a cumbersome experience in the yeah. UI. So something that would run every seven sense. seconds or five seconds or whatever, just so it's a bit more real time. You know, and it's probably easier to do something like that than it is to have to deal with dispatching events and then using pusher to to broadcast notifications back into your app and then catching them and and all like all of that kind of stuff. It's just extra dependencies that you may not necessarily need, but you might want to process something on a shorter frequency. So definitely check it out if it's something that that you have a use case for that you would find this solves your problem. And thanks to our Absolutely. friends at Sparsi. As always. Uh, we have got a, another article by Mr. Paul Redman, everyone's favorite human. Uh, this is a PHP S3 logs parser. So when you set up like a S3 bucket on Amazon, a lot of times it'll ask you, do you want to turn on logging for this S3 bucket? And I believe, I, so for me, the answer is always, no, thanks. I I've typically don't turn on logging for it. But I believe what it does is it gives you like access logs. Like if you created anything, if you deleted anything, if you had somebody read something, it creates a log for you of that access, I believe. Don't quote me on that. I could probably be wrong. But what this package does, it provides a convenience class for parsing those logs that S3 has created for you. Uh, of course, there wouldn't be a package for it if it wasn't uh, designed to basically have that happen with minimal effort on your part. So uh, you enable server access uh, logging on an S3 bucket, and then you get access to that by just newing up the S3 logs parser, passing in your version, region, access key, secret key, and then you just say get stats. And it will uh, tell you, uh, give you back a JSON formatted string of the S3 log data, which in this case, as I'm reading, it looks like uh, you have the bucket name, you have a prefix, and you have a data tab, which basically lists out, looks like in this case, uh, it lists out the name of the files, 
how many downloads they've had and then the bandwidth. Uh, you may actually be able to turn on more. So maybe this maybe this is actually more like what the logging is. Maybe it's the number of downloads and the amount of bandwidth that you've kind of burned through uh, with those. Maybe that's what the logs are. It's, it's quite possible. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, this basically gives you a really nice way to read those off. Uh, maybe you could display stats or something like that. Like our, you know, our application, our thing has been downloaded this many times uh, over this period of time, or we've transferred this many bytes, right? Like if you're, if you're doing something like, um, you know, like what Dribble did, you know, a mm-hmm. long time ago, they used to say like, we've, we've shared this many pixels worth of stuff. Yeah, right? you could basically look at the if you're pushing everything to S3, you could get these stats and kind of list out all some stats about that stuff. Or you could use it to make decisions about um, maybe you limit uploads for a particular user uh, or their bandwidth for a particular user based on like what's what level of a uh, subscription they're on, something like that. Right. So this makes it this makes it really uh, trivial to do that. So that's that's pretty cool. Uh, so thank you to Alex Kolev. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. We've got one thing left here, which is unlimited custom domains in Vapor. You have kind of been in Vapor land uh, recently and kind of uh, messing around with that. I'm I'm really new to that scene. I'm kind of digging in a little bit. But every time I have a question, I'm like, Michael, how do we do this? I'm yeah. not sure how to do this. Like, I'm like, how do I SSH? And you're like, you don't you do not do that. I'm like, there's oh, no that's SSH. Right. There's serverless. nothing to SSH. So yeah, it's, it's a bit, serverless. I've been bitten by it a few times, but now I've had to go and create like once off not once off, but like schedule tasks to do things that I would normally just like jump in and tinker. So yeah. um, it's it's a little bit mm, displeasing, but the, the the other side of that coin is like everything is so much easier to work with and you don't have to worry about scale and you don't have to worry about databases, you know, worry about configuration and, and it, like you just apply it and it all just works. And I was, you know, you and I were looking at it before and we've processed like a couple of hundred thousand records of, of stuff that we're working on in, in then ping me. So it's, it's nice that it just sits there and works and processes that. And, and like, we've got a lot of confidence in its ability to just scale for, you know, not, not forever. Obviously there's going to be things that need to be done at an, at an application level at a certain point, but it's, it's just nice to be able to scale up and, and do that kind of stuff. So this post here is from Jack Ellis and it is about how to add unlimited custom domains in Laravel vapor. It is a lengthy, lengthy, lengthy blog post and he goes into a great bit of technical detail about how they've actually done that. So what they're talking about here is dealing with essentially adding custom domains into their application. So they run Fathom Analytics, which is a simple and ethical alternative to using something like Google Analytics. And one of the most common things that people hate about analytics outside of being hard to understand is that their scripts often get blocked by ad blockers. And that's fair enough. Lots of people are using ad blockers. They don't want to be tracked. They don't want their locations known and what they're doing. So because Fathom is a privacy-focused platform, it stores zero customer data and therefore it's not, you know, it's something that they typically don't feel should be treated in the same way. They don't track you across websites and things like that. So they added a feature called custom domains, which allows users to point their own subdomain to Laravel Vapor and then track their um, analytics data against their own custom domain rather than having to use a, you know, if you're using a third-party service, it's easy to say like block that third-party service because it would be the same for everyone. But if you're right. using that third-party service with your own custom domain, it's like it's it's more obscure. Like it's not correct. You can't it's block not every single blocked, custom yeah. domain. So, um, AWS services don't make custom domains an easy task. And if you've ever used an application load balancer, you're actually only limited to 25 domains. So, 
Um, if you're using that AWS API gateway, you get a few hundred, but still, if you've got lots of customers, you can't really um, go much higher than the limit. So they were in a position where they had to try a few different things, uh, where they tried adding support for custom domains via Forge. They tried proxy services in Forge, and then eventually they landed on a a lightweight open source web server called Caddy, which provides automatic HTTPS. So you don't have to worry about managing hosts or SSL certificates and things like that. And so um, in this post, Jack talks about how they went about using Caddy to serve all of these custom domains and essentially proxy the traffic through those on your own custom domain um, and and how they managed to do that in a scalable way without, um, you know, basically having a global load balancer effectively. So, if that's something that you're interested in, if you're looking at using custom domains for anything on Vapor, definitely check this out. Um, it's a very in-depth post that that he's gone into and, and covered off a lot of the the nitty gritty. And I like a lot of the stuff that Jack's doing in the Vapor space because he's he's kind of like out there and paving the way for building the platform and using the platform, so a lot of other people can just kind of get in and not make those you know not have to learn those mistakes the hard way, but see how to get out from under the, you know, get away from the the dark, scary bits. And he's helped me out with a few things as well. So definitely hit him up. If you've got any questions, check out his serverless Laravel course as well. And we'll have links to all of that in the show notes. Yep, absolutely. Jack's been killing it. It's it's insane. The, the sort of technical problems they're solving with uh, Fathom Analytics, it's mm. crazy. It seems like every month or every month and a half or something like that, they're coming out with some crazy new thing that they've had to do to like, hijack vapor and you know combine all these different things to kind of come up with yeah. this great solution and he always like details it. that's the really cool thing like he shares his solutions with what these difficult problems are uh with the rest of the world so so pretty awesome thanks jack it's awesome oh also caddy is what uh is used with uh valet i think i think caddy is used with valet um uh i think at once upon a time or maybe it is still yeah maybe well, at least it was, it was at one time i know it was at, one, at time. one time or another it was yeah I think it yeah, maybe uses sure. Let's Encrypt now. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to pretend to know. Um, I think, it, well, yeah, I'm not going to pretend to know either. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather be vague and, and uh, yeah, than, than positive and incorrect. I'm going to play it ignorance. Um, exactly. Exactly. Well, hey, man, I think that wraps it up for us today. So that's it for episode 121. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening, for hanging out with us for a little bit. We really appreciate it. If you like the show, we would uh, love it if you'd share it with some of your friends. Or every week we put out a little uh, tweet. And so if you just like retweet it or share it or whatever, uh, that would be excellent. Also, five stars in your podcast or choice would be much appreciated. If you have any questions, best place to ask us is on Twitter at Michael Dorinda at Jake Bennett. I'm oh, sorry, Jacob Bennett. I'm trying to get Jake Bennett, by the way. <laughs> I'm asking Twitter. Like there's like it's never been used ever. Uh Doubtful it'll happen, but we'll see. Or at Laravel News. And of course, if you'd like to find show notes for this episode, you can find them at podcast.laravel-news.com slash 121. Thanks again to our sponsors. Oh, wait, we didn't have one. But if you'd like to sponsor the show, you can find us on Twitter too. We'd love to have you on the show. That'd be great. Join us. That's it. Join us. That's all we've got. You want to serenade us? You want to sing like a song or something? Karaoke I mean, style? do you want to keep our listeners or? <laughs> Good point. Good point. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. We'll hang out with you in two weeks. Bye. Bye.